and welcome to the latest edition of the Deal Sell Spotlight Podcast. I am your host, Vito Churko, class of 2011 Cell graduate, and I am joined on this week's edition of the Spotlight Pod by two former student-athletes at Cell, guys that graduated after me, and specifically Mike Dana, who played collegiately football at Central Michigan University, followed by the University of Michigan, and was just drafted over the weekend by the Kansas City Chiefs. So yes, the Super Bowl reigning champs from Kansas City in the fifth round of the 2020 NFL draft. So Mike Dana now able to live out a dream with Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid and company in Kansas City. He graduated from De La Salle in 2015. And then my other guest, who will start off this week's edition of the DLSL Spotlight Pod, is a former walk-on, and then he got a scholarship at Michigan to play running back, and that would be True Wilson. Now, he graduated from DLSL in 2016, and just recently graduated from U of M as well, and now will be a graduate transfer at Northern Colorado for his fifth year of collegiate football. So, Everybody at De La Salle is proud of True, the man and the player that he has become. Everybody is proud of Mike Dana and the man and player that he has become as well. So once again, Mike Dana from the class of 2015, True Wilson from the class of 2016. So I talked to True, and once again, his interview is first on this episode. And we talked about his experiences at De La Salle. And then also about his career at U of M and how he's become a better man, just a full-fledged man since leaving De La Salle. How U of M helped mold him as a person on and off the field as well. And now about his adventure to Northern Colorado as well to play for Ed McCaffrey. So all of that with True is coming up next. And then after the True interview is an interview with, once again, the aforementioned Mike Dana just drafted by the reigning Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. What a great opportunity for Mike coming up this fall with the Chiefs. And Mike and I, we discuss his experiences at De La Salle, uh, what it was like when he first walked through the hallways and was just a, a tiny dude back then, now a full-blown man and going to be an NFL player. So we talk about how he got to that point in his career, in his life, to where he is now, I mean, officially a man after going through four years of playing football at Central Michigan, then a fifth year at the University of Michigan. He fulfilled uh, so many of his own expectations and has accomplished a ton already in his life. And now everybody's excited just to see what he will become as an NFL player. So two terrific interviews. And before I get to those two interviews, though, a big shout out to a few must follow Twitter handles. And those would be first and foremost, the De La Salle Collegiate High School Twitter handle, which is De La Salle HS. De La Salle spelled out followed by HS. So you can follow the Collegiate on Twitter at De La Salle HS. For the De La Salle Spotlight Pod, you can go on Twitter and follow us at DLS Podcasts, and that is with an S at the end of podcast. And then for the DLSL Pilots Alumni Association, you can follow the Alumni Association at DLS Podcasts. 
Pilots alumni. So once again, the high school is found on Twitter at DLSLHS. DLSL spelled out, followed by HS. The DLSL Spotlight Pod and Podcast Network can be followed at DLS Podcast with an S at the end. And then last but not least, the Pilots Alumni Association can be followed on Twitter at DLS Pilots Alumni. And guys, without further ado now, here is my chat with former University of Michigan running back and now Northern Colorado running back, True Wilson. And True Wilson now with me, DLSL grad, former football player at DLSL, Michigan player as well, now Northern Colorado football player with me on the latest edition of the DLSL Spotlight Podcast. True, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How about so? Uh, doing well. We're hanging in there, you know, despite all the craziness of the coronavirus pandemic and uh, how it's affected all of us, right? Seemingly, De La Salle family, the people at Michigan, all throughout uh, the state, all throughout the country. So we're all dealing with that kind of craziness. But anyways, to this now, I want to start with this with you, True, this week on the De La Salle Spotlight podcast. Your experiences at De La Salle. So being a student, being a football player, an athlete, all of the stuff that you achieved at De La Salle, what was that like for you? It really prepared me. Um, Dale Sale had a lot of great talent, either academically and uh, athletically. So I was going to work and competing every day, and the teachers held you to a high standard. And um, it was just a, a great environment for me to grow and become who I was uh, after that four years. And what kind of standards were implemented? Did you learn and take away from Dale Sale as well that you still carry with you? to this day take as much as you can out of this place because what you do after it is is going to shine and reflect on de la sale after so every day i live i'm i'm representing de la sale and i'm representing uh the wilson name i'm representing michigan so it's just i'm a representation of of uh, my experiences and and the people in my life so how about that motto at de la sale you know all about it said all the time but I think it's truly applicable well, to me, to you, and you know, builders of boys, makers of men. Can you touch upon that and how it is applicable to your life? I mean, when I when I started at Dale Sale, I was uh, 14-ish years old, and so when I when I left, I was uh, an 18-year-old man, basically. I mean, obviously, I still had a lot to learn. Um, uh, getting ready for college and, and all those things. But uh, they prepared me for the University of Michigan, both athletically and uh, academically. So, um, I mean, once you when you go into that place, you're you're um, just uh, you're fresh and and ready to be molded into the man that uh, after that four years. And what was that transition like from De La Salle to the University of Michigan? I mean, no matter how much you get prepared for it, it's going to be a shock and it's going to be hard. But um, I was prepared as much as I could be because, uh, I mean, being a walk-on on the football team, nothing was easy. Nothing came um, came easy to you and nothing was given to you. So uh, you had to work every day and um, really every day was building on the last. So uh, it wasn't one day that was going to get you up the depth chart. It was going to be a um, multiple days built up on each other to – to work up to where you want to be, and academically, it's a whole different, um, it's a whole different ball game. It's just, it's it's harder, but I mean, you feel a lot more prepared coming from the prestigious school that I came to came from. And plan for Paul Verska and then Jim Harbaugh at U of M. 
Can you compare and contrast those two headmen that you had to deal with from high school to college? They both are old school. Um, uh, they both love two a days. They love putting in as much time as you can, making the most of every day. Um, and they both believe playing football gets you better at football. Like um, as much as meetings, meetings and and talking about it, walkthroughs, all that helps. Like playing football is is what's going to get you better at football. And then academically, you had the athletics with football at U of M. So you had the best of both worlds. I mean, playing home games at the big house, hearing your name chanted. I mean, I loved it once again, like we said on the uh, other podcast we did together, obviously. So you had that, that stellar experience on both ends. Can you elaborate upon that as well? Having to balance all of that as well at the same time. Uh, a lot of people saw and cheered on at the big house, like you hear at the Trues and all that. But that was after three years of, of really a lot of stuff done in the dark. Um, it was a lot of scout team. It was a lot of late nights writing papers. It was a lot of studying for stats, calculus, biology exams. It, it wasn't easy at all. And to, to finally break through and, and work my way up the depth chart and, and to feel it and hear it pay off uh, on Saturdays, it was, it was uh, an amazing experience and crazy to think back on of all the hard work that was put in for those moments. And how about walking on? I mean, your story is all about how you had to walk on to even suit up at U of M. And then you eventually played, as you noticed. It's not like you played right away. So you had to prove yourself tremendously. And you did. You persevered. You have a tremendous story because of it. But back to being a walk-on. Can you reflect upon that and how tough it was to go through, uh, what, the three-a-days and all the, the workouts and the practices to get to the status that you eventually gained at U of M? I never once thought I would ever be a walk-on. I mean, I had some offers coming out of college or high school, but I just felt going to Michigan and and really challenging myself as a walk-on is such a as such a great university and great athletic program. Um, I thought that was the best thing for me. And once I got there, like I I still thought I was a big dog, but you really get humbled that first day when you're going against 22, 23 year old really men at the time. So um, I just stayed patient. Uh, obviously, it sucks being on scout team sometimes and um, the motivation to do things is low, but you got to find it deep down every day um, because there are some long days. Freshman year was waking up at 6 a.m., either going to a meeting or going to a workout then class from uh, 8 to one-ish and then going to football from two to six seven o'clock and it's, it's a long day and you got to be you got to wake up every morning ready to attack it so I mean that's the mindset I had and obviously some days were better than others but um, it was just it was it was a growing experience and a learning experience for me and I think I said three a days two a days and I know I mean three days pretty much was schoolwork. I mean it probably was them. I mean, it was a long day like you just said it yourself how long you had to you had to get up early in the morning uh work all day football conditioning football practice plus schoolwork. I mean balancing all that once again I mean must have been tremendous and you had to have once again the grades. I mean you needed the grades and the the work ethic right true I mean, can you reflect upon that, the work ethic needed to play at that level, D1 football in the Big Ten at U of M. Uh, talk about that a little bit, how that has helped you out, that work ethic you developed at U of M, how that's helped you out since as well. I had had a strong enough work ethic to get me through. And then 
as I started learning and, and going through the experiences, I, I got better and better at it. Um, yeah, you just, with the two days, three days schoolwork, um, I, at first I wanted to be a, a doctor. I wanted to go into pediatrics and I mean, being a first generation student, you don't really know what you're getting yourself into once you go to a, a university, especially a university of Michigan. It was, it was, it was very tough. So, um, to, to set my expectations so high and standards so high, it was, I feel like at the time it was, it wasn't the best idea. And obviously I would have loved to be a pediatrician and, and all these things, but, um, everything happens for a reason. So once I started out, I didn't have the best grades and that was just due to, it wasn't due to uh, work or hard work or anything. It was just it's hard. It is hard juggling um, academics and athletics and then even trying to have a social life and relaxing and really sleep um, and trying to get all that, trying to fit it all in one day. Um, it was kind of unrealistic for me. So uh, I know some football guys were able to do it, but for me, it's just I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So, yeah, it was it was really tough. And I think tough for everybody, probably when you first start, when you're a freshman and you don't know what to expect. I mean, you had the great high school acumen experiences from DLSL, great school, great football program, like you said, with Paul Verska and what he helped you out with. But you're only so ready almost at the same time, right? When you go to Michigan, you have to adjust to that kind of regimen. So I bet it was extremely tough. And, and for you, once again, as a walk-on, then you find out you're granted a scholarship. How about that moment true for you when you found out you were finally granted a scholarship at U of M? It was uh, junior year of camp um, right before we faced Notre Dame. And um, it was it was awesome hearing it. But at the same time, like I knew all of my work led up to that. So, I mean, in all honesty, it wasn't a shock and I wasn't surprised that I got it just because of all the work I put in to get it. And, um, and that was a goal. And if I was surprised, then, um, I was doing something wrong. I felt like, and now I know you have aspirations yourself of playing in the NFL one day, the NFL draft just concluded all these guys from U of M were drafted, including a former deal of cell teammate of yours too. And Mike Dana went to CMU played four years there. Uh, went for his fifth year at U of M played alongside you. So can you talk about Mike Dana, the kid that the, the guy and the man that he is now as well. And, uh, playing with the ideal self first and then at U of M and what you got to know about the man that is Mike Dana. He was a great ahead of me over at Dale sale. So, um, I mean, just learning from him and learning from his work ethic because he wasn't, he's not, wasn't naturally a football player. He was, I remember him as a basketball player and playing football. And, um, I know he just started playing football in high school. So he was just a real raw talent and you can just look at his, uh, physique and look at his just work ethic. And you just think like, this guy could really, really make it. And um, then seeing him, I remember texting him when he got his first college offer in high school. Um, it wasn't a big school, but he got it. And then he ended up getting his Central Michigan offer and, and he ran with it. And then seeing him put in the work the last, the first four years of college at Central, he was, he was just a man amongst boys over there. And then he came to to Michigan and didn't lose a step. And I remember, um, cause I was his roommate during camp. So me and him were, would talk every night about how our day went and how, how we performed that day and, uh, for a month straight. And, 
and knowing what he went through and knowing he could have went anywhere in the country and started, but came to Michigan and, and challenged himself kind of similar to me and then get drafted in the NFL draft while not even being a starter shows a lot about his talent and shows a lot about his work ethic and his mentality to challenge himself and, and push through every barrier. And how excited were you for Mike when he got drafted over the weekend, fifth round, number 177 overall by the reigning Super Bowl champs. So of all teams to be drafted by, you're drafted by the defending Super Bowl champs. How excited were you for Mike when you heard the news? Oh my, my whole family was watching it and we just yelled. I, that was one of the happiest times I've been for somebody else in the NFL draft. He, he, he deserves every part of it. And then Josh Uche, yeah, Donovan Peoples-Jones, all these, you know, numerous Michigan dudes drafted. How about just all these guys drafted from U of M, school you were at for four years, and yeah. what it says about Michigan and the football program that it has. It's it's crazy because I remember coming in with a lot of these guys four years ago, and then some of them are some of them are a year younger, but uh, it's crazy seeing them some them grow athletically and and mentally to to reach that feat. And I know that's when that's what they've been working for towards the last few years and um, getting to know these guys and calling them friends and teammates. It's, it's awesome seeing them reach their goals. And I'll go into Northern Colorado for you, for your fifth year here. Uh, you have Ed McCaffrey as your head coach. So the father of Dylan, of Christian McCaffrey, what is that going to be like true? Um, just going through the recruiting process. Uh, I really, had a good relationship with their running back coach and, and talking to coach McCaffrey. Uh, uh, I really felt they can do a lot for me and I can do a lot for them. Um, and I can be a leader on that team and, and help them grow uh, for years to come. And um, yeah, I just, I, I think it's a really good opportunity for me. Obviously it was a really hard choice because moving so far away from home, I've never been this far and being 45 minutes in Ann Arbor, it's, it's tough as it is and having two younger brothers that you want to help grow and, and be there for and have a parents that you could, that are young and just like friends, but uh, yeah, it's going to be tough, but I'm excited for it. How about staying busy right now during this pandemic with the quarantine, the self-isolation, all of that, but still staying in physical shape. How have you been doing that so far? True. Uh, so I have access to some weights and, um, Obviously, in Ann Arbor, there's some really nice high school fields around that I've uh, been able to go to. So not much has changed, honestly. Um, obviously, just going to the student gym where I would spend a lot of time, um, it hurts. But uh, it's a blessing in disguise in some ways because you're going to see who's really working uh, during this time and see who made the most out of such a, a hard uh, time in the world. And... Uh, but yeah, I'm staying in shape and all we have is time right now. So make the most of it. And true. I'll leave you with this. Your biggest highlight from being at De La Salle. What was that for you? I feel like it has to be the state championship and it, it um, and beating brother rice on the way there. Uh, I, it's kind of hard to explain because of all the emotions that were happening, but uh all my life I've, I've won championships wherever I've went. So like it was, such an amazing accomplishment for uh, all of us and that team to bring in a state championship to Coach Verska and, and De La Salle 
and how it's like snowballed into to more and more. So it's it's awesome. And beating Brother Rice. I mean, you already noted it. That was a big time accomplishment in itself. I was not winning the state title, but to beat Brother Rice on the way there, Catholic League rivalry, uh, deep in, and rich in tradition over there at Brother Rice. So to knock off Brother Rice as well, when that happened for you and your teammates, True, uh, what was that moment like for you guys? Yeah, I, I believe it was for Casas last year. So that was that was pretty cool to do that. But um, to, to be able to do that, and then you see some of the Brother Rice guys that, at Michigan and you can talk a little smack to them, but they always come up with the argument of having three. So, I mean, you only can say so much, but it was cool to go through them to, to win one. And the rivalry, I mean, it's really there, right? I mean, the Catholic league and that uh, really quick, how about the rivalry at U of M with Michigan state with Ohio state? Does it compare at all with the Catholic league and playing against CC brother rice orchard Lake St. Mary's? The Catholic League is very similar to the Big Ten Conference. You're gonna pl- you're gonna face a hard opponent every week, no matter what their ranking is. They're gonna bring it every week and try to knock off Michigan, uh, whether it's Ohio State, Rutgers, Michigan State. It's it's gonna be a battle every week, just like how it was in the Catholic League. Every single opponent had had some really good players and players that are gonna go on to play college ball or go play in the NFL. So you had to bring it every week. Yeah, so battle-tested in the Catholic League, battle-tested in the Big Ten. You've been battle-tested, True Wilson. You really have been academically, athletically, and now you're here going to Northern Colorado for your fifth year. And uh, big-time congrats to you on that. Best of luck moving forward, and continue staying safe and staying healthy as well. I appreciate that. You too. And thanks to True for all the time on this episode. And now to my interview with the recent draft pick of the Kansas City Chiefs and a class of 2015 alum from De La Salle Collegiate, and that would be Mike Dana. And here we are now with De La Salle alum, former football player at De La Salle, former CMU Michigan football player, and now 2020 NFL draft pick in the fifth round of the Super Bowl, the reigning Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, and that would be Mike Dana. Mike, welcome in, and how are you doing, by the way, to start off here? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you on. Exciting times for you, for everybody that knows you and, and loves the guy that you are, the football player that you've become, the man that you've become off the field. And, and let's get right into it. The moment in which you found out that you were drafted in the fifth round by the KC Chiefs at number 177 overall, what was that moment like for you? you know, it was a surreal moment. You know, it was a dream come true. And, you know, I still haven't came down from that moment. It's what, three, four days later and this it's, you know, still hitting me and I'm still coming to the realization that you're a Kansas City Chief. So, you know, it's a blessing to be in my position and it's a great opportunity. Now, who gave you the call? Who was on the other end when you found out you were being drafted by the Chiefs, actually? Well, it was the whole organization. So, you know, the coach called me and um, I was able to, I was on the call with the whole organization. So as soon as they called me, I hopped on a Zoom call and I was on a video call and I met the GM. Uh Coach Reed, defensive coordinator, D-line coach, everybody was in there. So, you know, the team president. So it was great, to, you know, to see everybody's faces and, uh, you know, be in that position. And now you're playing for Andy Reed. I mean, he's the man. He wears Tommy Bahama shirts. He was right. all throughout the draft. I mean, well-known for that. He's a funny, entertaining dude and a great head man as well. Uh, can you talk about what you're expecting to get to learn from Andy Reed? You know, um, 
just that championship culture, you know. Uh, he's a legend in the game, and he's a one of the best coaches to do it. And, you know, to be under his organization and his coaching is this opportunity that, you know, not many people come across. And, you know, to be in my position is, a, you know, a blessing from God. And, you know, I, I won't take it for granted, not one minute. And I can't wait to get down there, you know, to learn from him, to learn from the system and, you know, be around the, you know, the great humans in that organization. And then all the studs, man, that you're going to become teammates with on both sides of the ball, not just defensively for you as a DN, you get to, you know, learn from those guys, but offensively and the quarterback. I mean, an MVP and Patrick Mahomes, you get to play alongside him and, and pick his brain a little bit. What are you looking forward to when it comes to that? You know, uh, just learning from the vets and, you know, just, you know, adapting to the game, you know. Um, I think it's real big to, you know, learn from them first and, you know, uh, take their take their their lead and, you know, follow them and, you know, listen to what they're saying because, you know, they've been there. They've done that. They're champions. So, you know, um, to be able to be in that position and learn from them greats, you know, I'm I got my pen and paper ready. So, you know, I'm ready to go. So high school wise, your career started at Warren D. LaSalle in Warren, Michigan. We're all pilots here. A lot of pilot pride right oh, yeah. now we're shooting. <laughs> you were a little guy. I mean, you weren't this big, uh, full-blown man that you are now and an NFL player at the same time. So mm-hmm. when you started at D. LaSalle, what was your what was it first like for you when you walked through those hallways at D. LaSalle mm-hmm. Collegiate? You know, um, if you would have told me when I first walked through those halls that I would have been a fifth-round pick to the Kansas City Chiefs, I wouldn't have believed you for a minute because, you know, uh, I didn't touch the football field until my freshman year of high school. So, you know, I would have just brushed you off and be like, no, I'm not, man. Stop playing. Um, and just, you know, walking through them halls and, you know, me and the people I met and the relationships I built that I still cherish, cherish to this day, you know, it's incredible. And, you know, uh, I'm happy I went there and, you know, I made bonds that's irreplaceable to this day. And now uh, your favorite sport growing up was basketball. Is that correct? Yes, sir. It was basketball. So you wanted to play hoops at DLSL. I mean, yeah. you could play athletic specimen, really, at both basketball <laughs> and then later football, Mike. But, yeah, basketball was the first love for you. Oh, yeah. Can you talk about that, how you ended up going from basketball and using your athleticism for mm-hmm. football then, subsequently? Yeah, you know, uh, basketball was my first love. It was my bread and butter. And, you know, I was doing that before I even um, – touch foot in high school so you know I was doing it when I was younger and you know that's what I became used to then you know I came to DSL and you know uh, that was my first real opportunity to play you know high school football and I gave it a shot and you know um it worked out pretty well and you know just going from you know the whole basketball aspect you know there's a whole lot of um game that translating to the football field. So, you know, just being athletic, being able to have lateral quickness and, you know, gut footwork all translate to the football field too. And, you know, I was able to capitalize. So, you know, it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling, you know, being in this position. I guess it worked out pretty well for you playing football now. It has, Mike. Okay. (laughs) It translated pretty well from basketball to that for you. And and the head coach, he had a deal. So Paul Verska. Want to talk about him now and what you learned from him. Can you give me and all of us here a couple of lessons that you learned about the game of football, but also about the game of life? Coach Versa gave me so much insight through my career, and he still do to this day. I hear from him almost every single week. You know, uh, whenever I don't hear from him, like, in a week, I know something's wrong. So, you know, uh, he, he stays in contact with me to this day. And, you know, 
the first thing I learned from him is really, you know, being a man, being responsible, you know, for the things and, you know, being responsible for your actions, you know. Um, you got to be able to hold yourself accountable. And, you know, um, how you carry yourself is a big part of, you know, who you are, how you were raised. And, you know, you got to represent the name on your back a certain way. And, you know, to do that, you got to take the proper precaution to do that. So, you know, uh, I learned a lot about being a man on the field and off the field from home. And, you know, uh, before even college, he kind of told me, like, this is what needs to be your be your priority, you know, whether it's education or whether it's football. Don't let nothing get in the way of that. And, you know, remember, like, have your eyes on a prize, essentially, you know, uh, and just, you know, cherish every moment, you know, the game or the knowledge I learned from home, man, is, you know, it's not like no knowledge I, knowledge I learned before. You know, I, I don't take for granted anything he says. And, you know, he's a fi father figure to me. How about the lessons learned from De La Salle, the school now, overall-wise, and the Christian brothers, the faculty, staff, the teachers, maybe even Dennis Cook, for whatever reason. Maybe you learned something from him as well along the way. But anybody, <laughs> uh, any of the teachers out there, Mike, that you learned something from, can you talk about what you did learn from those individuals as well? Yeah, um, you know, the biggest thing that I took from De La Salle was brotherhood. And, you know, the brotherhood is real. Like, I still hear from my De La Salle classmates to this day, you know, uh, some of them went to uh, Central Michigan with me. Some of them went to uh, University of Michigan. You know, I'm still able to keep those, you know, consistent conversations, you know, that consistent bond. So, you know, I, I cherish our brotherhood. And, you know, it's, it's such a great brotherhood or pipeline that runs through DLSL that, you know, um, it's a blessing to be, you know, in that position where I'm still able to have contact with my peers, you know, remain in contact because, you know, a lot of times when you get out and, you know, you build new relationships, but I can say I still have the same relationships with every single guy that, you know, I've been with and, you know, I got to know. And Mike, it seems like I think for all of us too here right now, you know, speaking with you, it's that brotherhood for life. I mean, it really is. You've already kind of reflected upon that, but that's kind of the deal. It's so difference. I mean, the builders of boys, makers of men, you become a man as time goes on in your career at deal cell and after, mm -hmm. but also I think the brotherhood, I mean, that you reflected upon and having that already, how much did that help you out as you transition to central Michigan and then later to U of M? The transition was great because, you know, I didn't go have to go up to central Michigan by myself or, you know, uh, isolated. I have my buddies that came through them three or four years, I was able to stay in contact with them. And, you know, uh, I was able to have them to make me feel comfortable. You know, I didn't have to be in isolation or feel like I didn't have anyone I could talk to or I didn't have anyone to share moments with. You know, I was able to share my moments with all of them guys. And, you know, it's nothing but love from them. Then even transitioning to U of M, uh, we had some guys there like Jared Wangler, you know, uh, Shane, uh, True, Jack, the list goes on and on. And, you know, uh, just being able to have those guys there. And like I said, that do so pipeline instantly, I felt like it's going to be comfortable. I didn't have to worry about like, oh, I don't want to be like uh, chopped liver, you know. Uh, I still had those same relationships that I had in high school, which made the transitions 10 times easier. And then the Wangler family, so disclaimer, as a disclaimer to everybody, I've worked at Top Cat Sales now for John mm -hmm. Wangler, the father who played quarterback at Michigan. Mm -hmm. They're kind of like the first family in Michigan. And, you know, maybe under the radar a little bit, but they have an influence. They know a lot of people, a lot of connections. And then they know you. I mean, the DLSL connection plus the U of M connection now. No, yeah. The relationship has been built with them since, you know, uh, Jared and Jack both came to uh, DLSL. You know, uh, it's a great family. I got nothing but love and support for them or nothing but love and respect for them. And, you know, um, 
just being able to be in contact with them, you know, having them giving me information that can benefit me or, you know, vice versa. It's great. You know, there's nothing but love and, you know, there's nothing but mutual respect between my family, his family. And, you know, we've been, you know, in each other's lives and we had a relationship built since the moment that we were all in dealer cells. So, you know, each year, you know, it was just like stacking on each other. So, you know, it's not like, um, as soon as we left, we went separate ways. You know, we always stayed in contact. You know, I was just talking to Jerry probably like last week. So, you know, it's good, you know, to have those type of relationships. And those are the ones you cherish the most. And now we just talked to True Wilson, who spoke highly of you, by the way, Mike Dana. Mm-hmm. So how about what you have to say about True and what he's meant to you throughout all of this? Oh, yeah. I, mean, I got nothing but love for True, man. You know, from high school and, you know, um, seeing how hard he works on that football field and he's even better off the field, you know, uh, never in trouble. You know, he's just a level headed, humble kid. And, you know, I got, I'm wishing, praying for the best for a moment. And, you know, he's going to get whatever he desires because he's going to put his head down and work for it. I don't know too many people, you know, that went through what he went through and, you know, uh, that's still grinding to this day. I got, you know, nothing but love and respect for him because, you know, he's a fighter and he's humble. And he's going to get whatever he wants. He's a hard worker, as are you. I mean, you exemplify that. I know the, the word about you is that you have the high motor and you just work hard. I mean, can you speak upon working through all this, the troublesome circumstances mm-hmm. with the virus, the pandemic, having mm-hmm. to be at home in this quarantine? How have you stayed active and uh, mm-hmm. continue to work hard on your craft? The whole pandemic and the uh, virus, you know, the whole stay at home order, all that included is, you know, is an opportunity. It's op- and, and, and it depends on the way you look at it, you know. Uh, it's an opportunity for you to rise or you can fall. You can let the pandemic, you know, bring you down or you can look at it as, hey, this is a challenge. I got to overcome this challenge. And that's the way I look at it. You know, I don't, I don't let the pandemic stop me from, you know, uh, getting the work I need to get done or, you know, I don't let it get in the way of, you know, me taking care of my business because then that's only going to drag me down. I look at it as an opportunity and, you know, I got to take in that run with it. I don't have no time to waste. And, you know, I got to make the most out of every opportunity I'm given every single day. So what is your workout regimen like right now then? I mean, you can't go to a Mm -hmm. gym. You can't work out like that. So do you have a home gym? I mean, Mm -hmm. what does a workout consist of right now? Before the whole pandemic really like got bad, my trainer was able to give me, you know, a few sandbags, kettlebells. Um, and when I'm talking sandbags, I'm talking heavy sandbags, 75, 80, 80 pounds, you know, good dumbbells, barbells, um, resistance bands, footworks. And, you know, I'm still able to go to the field and get my position work in. So, you know, I know a lot of guys that's less, less fortunate and don't have access to, um, those type of equipment. So to be able to have those equipment and let Russ get them or collect dust is not what I'm going to do. You know, I got these equipment. I got to put them to use, you know, I got to break a sweat somewhere. So, you know, uh, being able to use them every single day or twice a day is, you know, is a great experience for me. How big is the mental side of things too, when you're an athlete and you're balancing the academics too, like you had to at Central Michigan, at Michigan, how big is that a factor for you when you're also playing a sport and at, the D1 level? Yeah, um, I think it plays a big factor, but the two things that you got to find to find balance in is time management and your focus. You know, you got to be able to manage the things you do off the field so you you're so you can focus on the field. You know, 
um, take care of your business, whether it's, you know, working or you're doing your academics, you know, take care of that. Then when you get on the field, take care of your business there. You know, you don't want to do one or the other or, you know, be lopsided because eventually there is going to be a balance. There's going to, something's going to balance out. So either you're going to lack on the field and do good in the classroom or you're going to do terrible in the classroom or, and do good on the field. You don't, um, so for me, I always try to find a uh, defined balance because it, it does nothing but benefit me. And I say focus is a big component too, because, you know, being able to have focus on both of your crafts and your criteria is huge. You know, being able to focus in class is the same thing as focusing in the meeting room or in your position room or focusing out in the field. So each time you're able to increase your focus is a big part of your game. It complements one another. And it seems like the most successful athletes, no matter what sport they play in, they have the mental grind down. So mm-hmm. they're not just, you know, gifted athletically. You have to be, I know, and have the talent first and foremost. Mm-hmm. But you need the mental game, the focus, the concentration level, which you just spoke about, Mike. Is there a player at the next level in the NFL right now that you're going to be a part of now coming up this fall? Hopefully, if the pandemic, you know, we can wash away and have the season actually happen. Well, is there that one guy out there for you that you really try to mold yourself after in the past? In the past, I had a bunch of different favorite uh, guys. Like more in my position wise, I'd say, you know, I love Khalil Mack. I love Von Miller. I love Frank Clark. I love because those are the, the list can even go longer about the DNs I model my game after because those guys are like head hunters, you know, they, they're, they're a bunch of hunters and they're going to get whatever they need to get on their field. You know, they're, they cause havoc and backfields and, you know, they're, they're disruptors and, you know, to be able to model my game after that long list of guys, man, and, you know, being able to play with them or play against some of them, you know, I'm going to try to learn as much as I can from them guys, because like I said, they've been there, done that. And, you know, I want to be able to learn from them so I can be in a position, you know, and what's the biggest key to being an effective pass rusher? And I know there's so many different traits you probably have to have as well, but the biggest key that you can think of right now that you need to have to be an effective pass rusher now uh, with the Chiefs? Mm, you know, uh, for me, I was saying uh, knowing my opponent, you know, I don't ever, I look at it as if I'm going into a game, I need to know who I'm going against. Just like if you're going into battle, you want to know who your, you know, uh, your opponent is. I take uh, very much pride in knowing who I'm facing, what's their tendency, you know, uh, what's their, you know, sets. So, you know, I like to study them all that week so I can make my job a whole lot easier when it comes, you know, time to play the game. So, you know, I study their, uh, their pros, their cons, and, you know, whenever I see a con, I try to use that to my advantage. And, you know, I practice it out throughout the week. So when I see tendencies and I pick up on it throughout the week, I try to capitalize it throughout the week so I can do it in a game like it's second nature. And speaking of that film study, how much do you actually do when it comes to film studying on a weekly basis? You know, um, during the season, I was filming every single day. You know, I think that's a huge part uh, to the game. And, you know, I think also me being a student of the game also helps me a lot because when I'm a student of the game, you enjoy watching it. You, you enjoy breaking down your opponent you enjoy breaking down the tendencies the first second third whatever you know um and like it gives such a huge advantage so you know watching film is a daily weekly thing that i partake in throughout 
my whole career. You know, that that's a vital key to me. And now what's something unique about you, Mike, that many people do not know? What is that one thing athletically off the field and preferably mm-hmm. off the field? Something that many people do not know about you right now. My first two sports were, you know, uh, I was on the soccer team and I was on the bowling team. So, you know, transitioning from a, from the bowling team to the basketball team to the football team to the, you know, NFL is, you know, is a, it's a crazy transition. I mean, like I said, I was a kid on the bowling team, man. I didn't think I was going to be no athlete or, you know, uh, be the, the, be who I am to this day. So I think, and like today, I still enjoy bowling. That's like one of my favorite things to do off the field. And that's still a hobby of mine. So, you know, being on the bowling team, man, that, those were the dog days. And uh, you could have played for Thera Mukhtar then? The soccer had made a deal, so you said you played soccer too. So, I mean, how good was your soccer game? Because you, you made it sound like your bowling game was a bit better, at least in the soccer game. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, that, that was my first sport, so, you know, I had to pick it up real fast. So, you know, I could have played for Mukhtar, and, you know, uh, it would have been fun, you know, being from the basketball, football, then the soccer. Who knows? I probably would have been an ML, MLS right now, so. <laughs> and then your bowling game, you could have been a PBA bowler, professional bowler perhaps then as well, Mike. But uh, I wanted to ask you really quick about that. Mm-hmm. Is that a family thing? Is that why you got into it? It's big in your family or something like that? Yeah, you know, um, when, whenever we used to do family nights and still to this day, whenever we do family nights, we go bowling, whether it's like a Wednesday night, Friday night. We can be any day in the week and we just pick a week or pick a day and we just go. We have fun. And, you know, it's a friendly and competitive competition. And, you know, it's nothing but a bunch of laughter. And, you know, being with the fam is, you know, irreplaceable. So, Mike, I'll leave you with this now. We've talked long enough, so I'll let you go. But here's the last question. Uh, your biggest highlight from being at De La Salle, what was that for you? Oh, man, that's easy. You know, uh, the state championship, you know, that was the biggest um, part of my De La Salle career. And, you know, when I look back on De La Salle, that's what that's probably the first thing that come to mind is that 2014 state championship. And, you know, to be with them guys and, you know, to be with that coaching staff, it was so cool, man. That it was the first in history too. So you know, the emotionals were high, and um, to this day, you know, it's it's still you know it's still a great feeling. It's a great accomplishment, you know, to be able to say like I was the first or we was the first, and you know, it was great, man. I, I love every minute of it, and you know, to this day, every probably. 80% of the dudes on that team, I still have contact with. So along what I said about the whole brotherhood, I I still talk to them guys. I still have relationship with them guys. And, you know, it's great. So among your best athletic achievements in your life, where does that state championship rank? You know, um, that's top five because that's when I really, um, it's really, that's when I think my career really started to incline. And, you know, when, People started to, you know, recognize like, hey, this kid is a good football player. You know, um, I'm not, you know, just some brush over or brush over. So, you know, it's good. It feels great to be recognized like that. And I just feel like from that point, it just kept inclining, inclining, inclining. You know, it feels good. And, you know, uh, to enjoy a moment like that, winning a state championship for the first time. Uh, in school history, and that was my first championship I ever won, too. So, you know, having that was, you know, it was it was great, man. It was, it, it's legendary. 
And you're right. I mean, you were underlooked. You were under the radar. And you blew up at Central Michigan. So being an under-the-radar dude, so I lied to you. I said that was the last question, what I said no, a couple, good, a couple questions ago now, actually, Mike. <laughs> but what was it like being under the radar and having to prove yourself so much? You know, um, I don't let it bother me. You know, I look at it as fuel or um, – it, it, that's what keeps me level-headed and humble because, you know, when I first started, nobody knew who I was. So, you know, um, I don't let anything anybody say gets in my head saying like, oh, he's under luck or he may not be uh, good enough for this. We don't know who he is. Like, that's okay. Like, you'll find out eventually. If you're wondering, then you'll find out. But, you know, I use that as fuel every single time I do something, you know, just being underlooked and being, you know, uh, not you know uh recognized as you should and to be recognized like i was by the kansas city Chiefs, you know it, it felt really good you know all those times i was under luck was all you know worth it to me because when i did get my chance and the kansas city Chiefs pulled the trigger on me it felt amazing and, you know i wouldn't change anything about my process i wouldn't you know give myself five stars coming out of high school i would have kept my two or three stars i'm perfectly content with that now and if you're good, you're going to get found. I mean, especially exactly. nowadays, right? With social media, mm-hmm. Twitter, huddle film, you post it. If you're really good and stand out, these colleges, these pro teams eventually, like the Chiefs with you, are going to find you. You're right. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, uh, if you're a diamond and a rough, they're going to find you. And, you know, uh, just to like younger athletes, I wouldn't stress about those that type of deal. You know, don't worry about the headlines or, you know, don't worry about who's getting this much recognition. Just know that. Your time is coming. Trust the process and, you know, uh, just wait. You know, this it's okay to be patient. It's okay to see somebody else get the limelight. You just got to know and have faith that your time is coming. So forget the stars and just be like Mike. Be like Mike and not Mike Jordan, but, hey, Mike Dana. How about that? <laughs> and I'll leave you with that, Mike Dana. With that being said, man, great stuff from you. Congrats yeah. once again. And uh, good luck, man, with the Chiefs, too, and enjoy yourself over there. I, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And guys, once again, a big time thanks to True Wilson and Mike Dana for joining me on this episode of the DLSL Spotlight Podcast. It was a pleasure of mine speaking to those two individuals, two guys who really exemplify the motto of DLSL, which is builders of boys, makers of men. Congrats to both of them on what they have achieved already and also what they will achieve moving forward. And now, guys... I want to make sure that I remind everybody to just, you know, stay as safe as possible out there. Please, please do so. Stay healthy and best wishes to all of your guys' families and loved ones out there. It's been a pleasure speaking with all of you on the latest edition of the Deal of Self Spotlight podcast. I am your host, Vito Churko, signing off.